Hey guys, I'm Rob. And I'm Ashton. And this is the We Held It Together podcast. A podcast on faith, marriage, and mental health. And a bunch of random stuff. We hope you enjoy. Hey guys, today we are here with Rachel and Justin Mercer, and um, they are just going to talk about their story a little bit. They've been through quite uh, just a story, just like we have, and we're really excited to have them on today to share. Um, Rachel has been through some PTSD with also um, being diagnosed with an illness, and Justin has faced his own mental illness, um, trauma, and you know, class and history and all that stuff. So we're really excited to share their story today. So um, really cool. Rachel went to high school with us, so that's kind of how we know her in like a weird connection mm-hmm. way. So Rachel, you are a grade above me, and then um, I don't actually know how you guys met, which we would love to hear that too. But um, And cool, fun fact, we share the same engagement anniversary and the same wedding anniversary. So, well, y'all are like a year ahead of us on the engagement, but super cool. And we're just excited to have them on today. So welcome to our podcast. (laughs) We are so glad to be here. We've been, I don't know, I've been listening, I guess, from the start, you guys put it out. And so I've been excited to share that with Justin. So we've been kind of following along with your journey. So we're excited to be a part of it today as well on our side. Awesome. Well, y'all tell us how y'all met. Yes, that's really honestly where our, I mean, granted, that's where our our story starts, but that's kind of, what did we do? 2014 was where we met. Um, It was the summer after my junior year of college and you were living out in West Texas already. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we met uh, backstage doing tech for a show out there. I don't know if you want to describe the show that we did. Um, the show that we did was called Texas the Musical, and it was a little bit of a Wild West Romeo and Juliet story. It was really like the the story of the coming of the railroad to the to the western part of the country and the battle between um, the farmers and the ranchers that was taking place at that time. So it was kind of a celebration of the history of that area, put on a foundation that's kind of focused on the history of the area, and uh, it was. It was big. It's like all that to say, it's a lot of fun, but it was a really big production. So that was Uh kind of what sparked our interest working together as like technicians. Um, So we worked that summer together. And then um, you stayed in Texas. I went back, graduated from HPU. And then I came back for a second season because it's a seasonal production. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you guys are familiar with like summer stock productions. If you're in the theater world, you're used to like summer stock, which is a very... um, it's a very intensive kind of experience. So anyone that is like in theater typically tries to go for like those internships um, and you do these intensive theater experiences during the summer and then you go back and do either work or school or whatever that is. Um, It's a very common thing. So that's what this was. Long-winded answer. That's kind of like what this was that I went back to. Um, And I'm more than happy to jump into our story. Yeah, that's great. Let's do it. it. So that really 2015. So that second summer that I returned to Texas, um, is really where things kind of went crazy. Um, for me, at least oh, yeah, for, for me, I know for not, but that's really where my journey with mental health started. So I graduated from HPU in May and then my mom and I basically drove that day across the country to Texas again um, to start my job with this company again for that summer. And I don't, I mean, once again, I'm kind of going to talk like theater lingo, but okay. I was hired to be a production stage manager for okay. the production. So that basically means that I was in charge of 
making sure that the show went on correctly and smoothly. So from um, the whole process of rehearsals and tech and all the way through the whole summer doing six shows a week, it was my job to make sure that the actors, the singers, the dancers, the horses, the props, the costumes, all that kind of stuff, I was kind of the one calling the shots. Mm -hmm. So um, that was my job. And so I was a normal summer, you know, all the way up until about the end in July. So July 31st of 2015 was where um, the big accident occurred. And so that particular day, um, part of our show was also to set off fireworks. And it was that night, myself and the two other stage managers, we were out in a fireworks magazine. I don't know. Sorry, our dog is barking. That's okay. <laughs> Where are you I don't, um, I don't know how familiar you guys are with like the big metal boxes, essentially. Like that shipping, you, containers. shipping containers. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So the shipping containers, um, the magazines is what we call them. Um, that is where we stored our firework products. And so that's where we were out there um, doing some end of season inventory. We were uh, you know, cleaning some stuff up and we were getting ready for the show that night. So the technicians also, um, they, we show up several hours ahead of time to make sure everything is set, make sure props are there, all that kind of stuff. And during this time, um, so like I said, the three of us were out at this magazine, which was, I don't know, how far away was that from the stage? About? It's probably 100, 150 yards. 150 yards, just kind of past the tree line. And during this um, process, so we, we kind of finished up, and two of us, myself and one of the stage managers, we took the Polaris with um, like empty boxes. We were going to take those to the dumpster, and I was going to go make sure that the rest of the crew was okay before cast members arrived. And so just kind of continuing our duties for the evening, business as usual. And so that's what we did. We left our one stage manager in that magazine to finish up a couple things. We left and we went over to the other side of the tree line. I checked in with everybody, making sure everybody was okay. And then a few minutes later, all of a sudden I looked over and there were bright lights in the sky and it sounded like artillery fire. And in the moment I just kind of stood there and I was like, who on earth would be setting off fireworks? We're the only ones. And then it kind of started to click and I kind of started to figure out what was happening um, and I took off running so a couple other technicians and myself took off running down the path um, and by the time we got to the magazine there were I mean it's military grade explosives hundreds upon hundreds of these fireworks are flying out essentially it felt like we were in um, a war zone. I don't know what that is like, Robert. I don't, I, you know, I'm not trying to have an experience. I don't even, I couldn't even begin to say, but in my mind, it just kind of felt like explosion after explosion after explosion. Um, yeah. And the magazine was on fire. I don't know that. And I, well, I guess that's what they, they would say that they were, we were told military grade, whether that's yeah. true or not, I do not know. Um, that's just what we were told essentially. Yeah. Um, so essentially, anyway, the, the magazine is exploding. There's um, fireworks shooting out into the canyon. And essentially, you've just got a bunch of college kids with very, very, very little experience with this kind of thing, if any at all, um, out in the middle of a canyon. And the um, 
hardest part. So a crew member is essentially holding me back because I knew that our crew member was still there. And so we're calling out her name. We're not able to get a hold of her. We're radioing her. Um, we're trying to get a hold of her. And we've also been told we knew um, we had very limited, I guess you would say like fire training. So if a firework were to go into the brush after our show or something, the guys would have these packs where they could put out a little brush fire. And so that's really all we had. And we knew that um, it was about 20 to 30 minutes for anybody to actually get to us in the middle of this canyon. So there was no help. So we essentially, um, you know, I'm radioing to the crew members and they're throwing on these Indian packs, which are just like water on your back with little hoses. And they're trying to go like around the perimeter to stop the fire in the canyon. We're trying to figure out basically, I don't know, in this late, like, I don't know, very limited um, formation trying to get to the magazine to see if there's any way that we can get her out. Um, it just became this whole thing, essentially. Um, and I know this is long winded, but it's just That's kind okay. of the whole, the, the whole start of it. Yeah. Um, and so essentially we, we battled this explosion um, of all the fireworks um, for about 20 to 30 minutes until the firefighters came and the bomb squad and everybody. Um, and so we did that and they were finally relieved of that. Um, and we were sent over to like our crew porch and that's where we were basically sat down. And those of us that could get cell service, you know, we're trying to reach out and tell our families that we're okay. But then, you know, they come over and we're not allowed to talk to anybody because they have to do the investigation. And so news reports are coming out. Our families don't know if we're alive or dead. Um, the only headline read stage manager died or something like that after the fact. Um, so people thought it was me. And so that was really hard as well to have such an, like a, I don't know, just this inflow of, um, of just, I don't know, everybody's reaching out to me and I'm in a place, you know, not really able to like handle that or figure out what's going on. But essentially, um, that was happening. So we're battling all this stuff. And then it's all these cast members are trying to come down into the canyon. And so we're having to basically, I'm having to try to do my job while I'm in shock. And the paramedics are showing up and they're putting a lot of us in the, um, the, you know, the emergency vehicles trying to give us breathing treatments, trying to get us to be okay. Cause of course, you know, we're, we didn't have any gear. So we're all like fighting this stuff um, with basically bandanas on our face, which was not, you know, the right thing, but it's what we had at the time. Um, you know, so we're doing all that kind of stuff. And I remember it was testimony after testimony. And then after they had finally declared her deceased, they had to, you know, we had to write it down and then we had to say it out loud and then all of that kind of stuff. So it just became, it was very hard. And the last thing that someone said to me before I went to meet the cast um, outside of the canyon for that night, after everything had kind of happened, the last thing someone said to me was, you can't fall apart. You can't, you're the manager, you can't fall apart. Um, you have to be strong for them. And so as soon as I got cell service, I cried basically inaudible syllables to my mom just to basically say, mom, I'm alive. And then from there, I kind of had to, I had 20 minutes into town to gather myself. And then I had to basically put on a brave face and be the manager for this cast and crew. Um, was so like that 21, was 21, 22 years old. 22. How, yeah. Yeah. How do you plan that? <laughs> yeah. It was just, it was just crazy. Things that, you know, summer stock theater, you never imagine in your life that you're going to be battling you know, explosives and then having a cast member, you know, all that kind of stuff. Just, um, it's, it was a lot, it was a lot to go through. Um, and from there as well, you know, both my parents, they flew out, you know, and both kind of took turns being with me through the end of that season. And then 
I had planned to move to Dallas, so I wasn't moving anywhere near home. So I basically went through that whole experience and then moved to Dallas like a week or two later and moved into an apartment by myself. So mm. that was, it was a lot. Um, it was a lot. And I can kind of keep going, I guess, as far as just that experience as well. It was theaters fast moving. And so yeah. I jumped from there into another intensive internship. And I knew I needed to talk to someone that was, I think clear. It was clear for you. It was clear. My parents, you know, we all knew. So were you guys dating at this point in time? So we were actually not. Um, we had, I guess, kind of rekindled things when I moved back to Texas that mm-hmm. summer. And yeah, then, we had kind of gone through a, um, mm-hmm. I was. Long distance was hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I dealing with my own stuff, not to jump from No, it's good. Mind, it's but, part um, of it. We had. Uh, so in 2013, before she showed up, I was, I did the show. I started in 2012. Um, and in 2013, we had a situation happen where we did our end of the year cast party out at a, a donor's ranch about 45 minutes north of Amarillo. Um, and it ran pretty late into the night and five or six cast members got into a car to head home. And as they were crossing over the highway to turn onto the southbound side, a semi truck came over the hill and unfortunately killed five of them and left sick of what left the one in intensive care in the hospital. Um, so that happened. Um, Two fact, years I think it was, before. Yeah. Yeah. It was about seven years. Oh my goodness. What's the date? So we just had this show, man. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah. I, with my dealing with that and then, um, what was it called again? Texas something? Texas, Texas musical, musical drama. drama. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. I mean, honestly, life changing. You could they just become family. But there was yeah. so much that happened within these few years that we both kind of lived through a lot yeah. separately. And so yeah, fourteen happened. We yeah. met. We started dating. Um, you went back to college. Mm-hmm. Distance was a, hard. Yeah, took I a took break. a position with a job <laughs> um, that kind of kept me moving. I was I right. lived for six months in a super six hotel on the side of the interstate in San Antonio, and then I moved to Houston, which I didn't know anybody there. So just kind of you know, dealing, and at that time, I was not realizing too. I was yeah. dealing with my mental health issues. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so I kind of got into a place where I was like, you know, it's not even fair for me to be in a relationship. So, um, right. We parted ways and then yeah. I moved back and did the show that summer. And then, um, you know, I, all of this stuff happened. And I think I was so, I honestly, I was dealing with so much trauma that I kind of pushed you away again. I really did. And gosh, I'm like reliving it. And I'm kind of glad that you said that because it's parts that I think we sometimes, yeah don't think about anymore you know we kind of push that aside yeah. because we're good now um but it was it my was... sister likes to say i broke her heart. she broke mine back to each other i mean that really is what happened so no i mean that was kind of i pushed you away and i really kind of clung to the people that had gone through the experience with me mm-hmm. um, that was really where i was kind of finding my solace and i was really connecting with those people because in my mind, you know, in the trauma and the way that, you know, the PTSD was affecting me, I kept, you know, it was the, if you didn't live through it, you didn't understand it, you don't get it, that kind of thing. And so I think that that for, for a while was, we had a couple months there where I don't think we really talked at all. Um, But yeah, but that was kind of, I mean, in Dallas, I'm trying not to jump too far back and forth here, but then I sought out a counselor. Um, after I had moved there and, you know, growing up in a Christian home and going to counseling, growing up for certain things, you know, with my family, I just, I sought out someone, um, 
really of the faith, you know, someone that's going to be kind of religious based counseling. I, that is what I looked for. And that's who I went to. And while I 100% believe that that is a wonderful viewpoint to go from an advantage point and to have that in a counseling session, um, those, you know, someone who believes similar things and can kind of speak the word to you as well. I wish that I had done a little bit more research and found someone that was specializing in trauma. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if you guys, I don't know. I don't know how much if you guys have done counseling or anything like that. Before. Yeah, I think it's a very similar thing where we both actually did therapy separately, but also together. And both of us, I was very passionate about at least the psychiatric side of things. I really wanted him to seek someone who was a Christian because I didn't want this like whole like spiritual thing with your mind to like come into play because I feel like that can so often be yeah. muddled for someone maybe who isn't, um, you know, a believer and So that was something I felt really passionate about. Again, I think it's kind of the same situation. Like maybe we probably should have done more research because I feel like maybe that wasn't there. Well, I think in the moment you're kind of seeking whatever. Yeah. It's always, you know, it makes sense (laughs) looking back hindsight's 2020, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I think therapy is such a broad term and I think people think you're lying back on a leather couch kind of talking about your feelings and there really is like specializations and different types of therapy. And so I think that's something I've kind of found out where, you know, there's talk therapy, which maybe works for some people. And then there's more like, you know, um, skills, like, you know, they're teaching like different therapy models about how to deal with anxiety and right. yada, yada, yada. So, yeah, I mean, I can definitely understand right. that, um, you know, and I think that that's, yeah. sorry. I'm- no, you're yeah. fine. That's, I, that's kind of, I mean, that's exactly, it was, I mean, it was to the point where, Either I couldn't drive at nighttime because the bright white lights of a car would remind me of the incident. So I would be driving home on the highway in Dallas in the traffic and I'd be having panic attacks and I would be able, I wouldn't be able to get from point A to point B without, you know, just literally like breaking down. I mean, you remember that the many phone calls where I basically couldn't drive alone in my car. I had to be talking to somebody. I had to be, you know, doing that kind of stuff because I couldn't, I had not learned the coping skills to be able to live on my own after experiencing such a severe trauma um, and not have the right kind of resources. And I think a lot of that was just, it was, I mean, personal choice, right? So I lived across the country from my family, you know, nobody else really was living with me day in, day out to really see and be that outside perspective to think maybe, you know, the kind of help that I was getting wasn't necessarily what I needed. Um, So that kind of, I guess that really took up me through you know, 2015, 2016, you ended up moving to Dallas. Um, So that was, you know, a little bit of a breath of fresh air for me. Um, We were really, you really kind of were my backbone through a lot of that as well. Um, You know, driving there. Yeah, he would drive six hours every other weekend, essentially, just to... After getting off work at 3 o'clock in the morning on Sunday from a nightclub. (laughs) (laughs) He'd have one day, I had Mondays off, and so we would essentially have one day where he would drive six hours every other weekend, spend the day with me, and then drive back, just because... I mean, he loved me, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> we hope so. <laughs> I would say there's no doubt about that. <laughs> but I think that that's kind of, I mean, for us, it was, we've both kind of experienced so yeah. much um, separately, but then I think kind of we're really empathetic for each other. So I think that that's just kind of made us stronger in our relationship. Yeah. So, I mean, we got engaged. I was kind of just going through, there's more to it, of course, you know, um, but we got engaged and 
we were planning a wedding in Texas. Our families were both very far away. So your family was in Michigan. My family was in North Carolina. And so we're going through all of this. And it was during this time as well um, that I started getting just some weird health stuff. I started um, getting very anxious. I started, we thought that it was kind of residual. I was a different person. Yeah, I really was. She, it was like there was somebody else living with me. Yeah. Completely honestly. She, I mean, just mentally, physically, you were not. I was not okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was really not okay. And we, we thought that it was lingering PTSD and anxiety. That was really the only thing we were like, okay, I've gone through this experience. It has to be, it has to be this thing that I'm still coping with. Right. There's gotta be something still there that, um, that I haven't dealt with or whatever that is. So Rachel, do you feel like you were able to recognize that? Like, or do you feel like Justin kind of had to point it out to you? I honestly, I think that there were some days where I would look at you and I would just say, I don't know what's wrong, but I think it took you, you're nodding. Yeah. It took you really looking at me and saying like a thousand. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it takes, man. And it takes some like tough love to be like, listen, things are not good. (laughs) I'm I'm stubborn. And when you're in that place, like, I don't know, Robert, like you get like, if you were like this too, but you're in this place and it's like, you're not you're not thinking straight. And that's like, whatever you've gone through, it just, you're not thinking straight. And so I was in this place and I honest, honestly, like we kept thinking I was a stressed out or I kept thinking I'm just a stressed out bride. I'm planning this wedding. I'm extremely stressed out. My job was stressful because theater, you know, it's just like, you just, you work crazy hours and you're in charge of things and it has to go right. And the show must go on, you know, all these things. Yeah. Yeah. I finally started turning down shows because I was like, I can't handle this. I, I am so anxious. I couldn't, I was having social anxiety, which I had never had. I couldn't go out. I couldn't see people. I, anytime I ate something, I was sick to my stomach. Um, all of that kind of stuff. And then we got married, you know, it was all great and wonderful and happy, but there was just this cloud kind of over us during that time as well. Well, it doesn't help too that. Like, I mean, you went to the doctor a couple of times and mm-hmm. you're like, there's something not right. And of course, Nobody As every doctor it. does, you know, they run yeah. their tests and they're like, oh, well, we don't know what's wrong. Yeah. yeah. So that, mm-hmm. you know, that definitely makes it harder to seek out the help because you're like, okay, well, maybe it's just, you know, maybe it's just me. There's not Maybe it is the anxiety. Maybe right. it is just this thing that I, you know, I couldn't put my finger on it. Um, so we kind of went through that for about a year. And I'm sorry if there's a motorcycle outside. That's um, okay. You're fine. We went through that for about a year. Um, and we got married and then our honeymoon, we always say that we're so grateful that I made it back alive because it was terrifying. I would, we, I mean, you're okay. So we went to Mexico, we went to Cancun and it's two for one drinks and churros and all like the fun stuff you're going to do on your honeymoon, right? You're going to enjoy and you're going to enjoy the beach. And so I, we would go on our resort and we would go to breakfast and then we'd go to the pool or something. And I would have to go back to the room and I could barely keep my eyes open. I was laying on the couch. Um, I mean, it was, it was bad. Like I kept like apologizing after everything. everything. So we would go do something and I'd have to come back and I'd have to lay down. (laughs) Right. Just hung out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll be on the porch. (laughs) It really, I mean, it was just, 
it was crazy. And so that was, it was, it was nuts. And so after that as well, we, um, we had planned to move from Texas to right outside of Nashville. And so I'm packing everything up and we're getting ready to do this big move. And so I think everything in that was going wrong with me physically was kind of overpowered by life circumstances. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I can say it, make excuses. It was this, it was that, it was, we were getting married, we were moving. And so that was November into December. We finally moved at the end of there to Nashville and I started studying for some licensing exams. And so at this point it was getting, it was getting really bad. Um, I was peeing all night long. I would leave the house and I would basically beg you to please pull over, grab a drink. Like I had to have a drink in my hand at all times, anything. I'm, I was downing like a gallon of orange juice a day because I just needed something. Nothing was quenching my thirst. Um, and looking back, I had lost quite a bit of weight. I was eating more than he, y'all, I was eating more than he was eating. <laughs> I was gaining nothing. Like weight would not stick to my body. Like I could not um, keep any weight on. And it finally got to the point as well. I would tell him I would take our dog out in the morning and I, my vision was so blurry. I could barely see anything. Um, and I was kind of the same thing. I would have to, I would sit down and I would fall asleep. So it was, it was really getting bad, but I just kept thinking I was studying. I was stressed out, you know, I've got yeah. a new place, all this kind of stuff. And I just kept talking it up to one thing after the next. And, um, finally I started having some back pain. It was like June or it was the end of May of 2018 yep. and I had some back pain. And so I went to the doctor and I said, Hey, I've got some back pain. But I've also got some of this other stuff going on. And the doctor basically, you know, I told her about the history of autoimmune diseases in my family um, and all of that. And it basically came down to it um, that I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the age of 25. Which and is rare, right? Am I right in that? So it's actually not, and okay. that's, it is a very, very common misconception that okay. it's like a child, like kids get type 1 diabetes and adults get type 2. Um, the more research that has been done in especially more, more recent years is that it's almost half and half. Um, people just, when they're older, doctors typically go, you're type 2, and they just don't really dig as deep gotcha. into it. And there's uh -huh. lots of other kinds of diabetes, and I don't need to get into all that, but... Um, Essentially, my body had been, you know, wearing away, and I was very, very lucky that I didn't go into a coma. Um, yeah. And we we're very, very lucky and fortunate. But that's another thing, you know. It was like the accident happened, and then this couple years later, you know, another thing just overnight completely rocked well, my I mean, world. It was, it was a fast thing too. You, you called me. I was at work. Yeah, it was four thirty like, on a Friday. And I was like, all right, I'm coming home. And then it was your doctor was like, they left you a voicemail at like 425. And they're like, we turn our phones off at 430. You have to call us right now. And you call her back and they're like, we're closing. We can't see you. But we called a prescription for insulin in to the CVS pharmacy. Go pick it up. We'll yeah. see you Monday. And it's like, yeah, so it's Friday. You're like, what am I doing with this? You can't take an extra five minutes out of like goodwill and talk to me. What do I do with this thing? You're like, give yourself this much. The pharmacist will show you how to do it. Right. Well, and that, I mean, that was kind of the crazy thing too, is I literally learned how to give myself shots at a CVS pharmacy counter. I mean, that was literally like, it was, here's your box of insulin. Here's some needles. Good luck. You know, and they just like sent us home and I'm standing in the bathroom looking at him sobbing, going, I can't do this. Like, I cannot do this. Because how do you suddenly, you know, look... Look at your editor. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it was crazy. And so that was, I mean, that's just kind of the second thing that, you know, 
doctors and I have gone through it and we think that it's really, I mean, autoimmune conditions, of course, run in families, but I think that there's a piece of that trauma that kind of internalized, you know, and became part of my story physically, you know, it became this, um, this thing that I now live with every single day, you know, and it's, that's just, it's whole other, it's a whole other thing for us too, just because it's, it's your mort. I don't know. Your <laughs> the idea of mortality is very real, and you live it kind of every single day. Um, and it's not just a personal thing. I think that anybody that lives with someone with type one diabetes would say a lot of the same stuff. That it's not. It's it's a. I mean, it's a partnership. Like your whole family kind of has to be in on it. It's not just I go take my shot and eat. You know, it's 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 all encompassing. I think. Yeah. Would- well, it affects the mentality too. You know, going back to saying like you were a different person we got her levels in yeah. check and like the blood sugar at the right normal. And it was like, Oh my gosh, she was this person that I fell in love with, you know, two years ago. And so the, you know, even nowadays, like I can tell, you know, if her sugar is getting a little bit higher, it's like, well, and I think for me too, it becomes, it's a little bit hard because it's like, you almost don't feel like yourself when you're out of range. And so I feel this intense pressure that I kind of put on myself, but it's, I feel this pressure to be in like a good range because if I'm higher, I'm low, it's like putting, putting more on him. Right. Right. So I'm putting the anxiety. If I'm low, if I'm, you know, I'm, I don't, my tongue goes numb and I'm sitting on the ground and I just look at him and I say, something's not right. And he's handing me a spoonful of icing or what juice or, you know, he's like all that kind of stuff. It's just this extra thing in our house. Or if I'm high, you're right. My, my whole personality kind of gets altered. And so that's a lot for me to deal with because I'm like, if I'm not, I put that pressure on myself I mean, granted to be healthy, but also to be, you know, they're in the right mental space for him and to be the best version of myself in life to show up for work, you know, for any of that kind of stuff. Um, it just comes the mental health side, I would say of chronic illnesses is just such a thing that a lot of people don't think about. I don't know, or just realize. And the more I talk to community members and people that go through the same thing, it's really just, it's hard to explain to someone what it's like without having had the same experience, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And I think it kind of goes hand in hand with, I was just telling somebody today, actually at church um, this morning, I think oftentimes, even with mental illness, whether you have, you know, what you're facing or not, just with Robert struggling, he would share his story with people and they would say like, I really hate that for you, but I don't get it. And it's almost, it's, it's hard to hear that. Cause you're like, well, crap, like <laughs> I feel very alone right now. And, and even as a wife or a caregiver to someone who is struggling with that, it's like, dang, like I really am feeling alone right now. But when you can find someone else who is going through it, which I think is something that we loved about this podcast is the amount of people that have reached out, just like you guys reaching out. It's really cool for people to say, Hey, my husband and I have been walking through this what a blessing it is to find other people and to hear their story. And that's why we want to continue sharing other people's stories and hearing you guys talk and, and stuff like that. Cause I, I feel like that is something that has been really cool, but it's also when you're going through it and you don't have that outlet, it's really hard. It's really Absolutely. hard. Yeah. Absolutely. I think we just got tired of like, I mean, this sounds very like generalizing, but just everyone pretending like life's perfect. You know, it's like, hey, yeah. newsflash, like we all got stuff going on, you know? Yeah. And it's, 
you know. Well, and I think too, coming from like our background, y'all, I mean, like, not that there wasn't stuff going on in like a private Christian school, but like, there's so much more, like, especially now that we're older, like looking back on families and things like that, like, I almost wish that we had had more realness sometimes than we did totally. just feel like, I don't know, we, feel, we build up these ideas of other families or each other and like getting into this kind of stuff. It just feels like we're like, exactly like you said, like we all go through stuff. It's different stuff. It's, but it's stuff and it's all valid and it's all valuable. Yeah. And I just, I cope out loud. I say that to you all the time. I cope out loud. <laughs> yeah. Is, you Which cope is not a problem. Well, yeah. and I was going to ask, <laughs> Justin, <laughs> Justin, you <laughs> kind of walked through your own depression too. And I just like, I mean, y'all are facing it. Y'all like y'all are walking through a valley. I mean, I, I, I don't know where you are with your walk through this as a couple or, you know, individually, but you walked through it too. And that's hard too, because you're giving, you're having to be caregivers for each other. Yeah. Oh yeah. We've had to extend a lot of grace, I think, to each other through yes. this whole thing. Um, I mean, you can jump, you want to jump in. Yeah. And don't, don't let her like talk all about me and talk up me. Cause I mean, she's been just <laughs> as much of a saint uh, through this all as well. You know, I, I started dealing with, um, my family has a lot of the mental health issues, uh, through the history. My father was an addict, um, dealt with depression. I have an older sister who's dealt with depression and bipolar. Um, and anxiety and manic depression. Um, so I've kind of, you know, seen it and it's always been a part of my reality, um, which is kind of funny looking back now that like, it took so much for me to realize that something was going on with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's almost like, you know, gosh, I grew up with this. I watched it. I, um, you know, went through it. And it, I think I kind of always chalked it up to circumstance. Um, you know, it was, I was unhappy at the job. I was, you know, the people I worked with were awful. I'm just, I'm tired from it. I'm not sleeping well. Um, You know, I, I raced to figure out an issue dealing with chronic, chronic fatigue for five, six years. And um, so it it was always, I think I was always trying to make it something else. Um, And then, you know, we moved here um, and I think, things just, they ended up getting worse. And it got to the point where like on a Saturday, you know, she'd be up and she'd be ready to do stuff, especially when we moved into a fixer upper. I mean, that was really when it kind of, you know, dawned on me. We have an acre of, land to take care of, um, you know, the house to take care of the house. You know, she was very dumb. How like, let's make this our place. Let's make this our thing. And I could do nothing but sit on the couch or stay in bed until 11, 12 o'clock or, and it was like, there was just this internal struggle of like, oh my gosh, there are so many things I want to do. And there are so many things that I want to be a part of. And there are so many things that like, I have a drive to do, but I, you know, I'd rather just sit here. But not today. Well, I think it was, yeah, yeah. And, and not, yeah, exactly. Not today. Oh, I'll get to it. tomorrow. Yeah. And that was hard for me because like, I, I would then want to do stuff, but he would make me feel guilty for doing the things. Cause I finally got to the point where I'm like, well, if, if you're not going to do it, then I'm going to do it. And then it would be hard because you would kind of, because then I, I hear you. I hear you. There were so many days where like we would get in the car to leave, to go to church and Robert would have a panic attack from being, having to be social. So I'm like, well, I'm not missing church. Like, I'll just go drop you off. <laughs> and right. then I'd feel guilty that I left him. So I get that. It's hard. It, and yeah. you, you're kind of like frustrated maybe a little bit that like, why can't you just get out of bed and come with me? So yeah. I guess. Like, you probably too, like, already had such a bad 
image of yourself, you know, like having to do that. And then you kind of just keep blaming yourself. And it's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's just us too. Like we don't live near family. And so I think that that's like, we've kind of had to dive. I'm not trying to jump too far ahead of this, but like we finally realized too, we had kind of gotten out of going to church regularly. And so that was a thing that we really realized, like we had to find a church family. We needed to be immersed, you know, in the word we needed to have that community around us and even joining after that joining a small group that's kind of been our saving grace in a lot of ways just to kind of I feel like that was kind of the beginning of you realizing and recognizing am I saying that for you or yeah I mean it it was but at the same time I was still talking about to my job so at the time I was working um, for a small transportation company who did entertainment and it was you know we had 32 trucks that ran across the country and um, when I got hired on, the person that was working with me was not a great partner. So I was taking on a lot of the stuff, you know, by myself. Um, and then, you know, it just never stopped. She went away, and then I was actually by myself doing everything. And so it was always like, you know, I'm so tired because I'm I'm going to work at six o'clock. I was supposed to work till three. I worked till six o'clock, you know, almost every day for a little while. And it was like, okay, I'm just tired because I work all the time. You know, yeah. I can't do things when I get home because I've been thinking all day or I've been talking to everybody. I mean, it got to the point where we'd get in the car and, and I don't know if you know this, but there was one day that absolutely broke my heart after I got it figured out, but we'd get in the car and she'd be talking and I just wouldn't. And it, and so it got to the point where like, it was just an understood thing that when we were in the car, silence was the thing. And it was because it was taking so much of myself to even just be a part of a conversation that it was like, I didn't even have the motivation to do that. Um, and to go back to, I cope out loud. Like that was really hard because yeah. you know, I'm try- I'm, I, I'm a talker, you know, like, Rachel, I feel you. know, I just would talk and we were laughing the other day or yesterday, even you said I had 85 conversations within like the drive that we had to the store or something like that. He was like laughing. Five minutes, y'all. <laughs> I just, you know, I just go. And so that was, it was, it was this kind of new norm of, we just like, I kind of shut down with him because I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to get any response. So what's the point, you know? So I went to my GP cause that's, and we always say that our general practitioner is the one that saved our lives. Cause she it was, was the, the same way. Wow. You yeah. guys are the first and foremost people that we've ever heard that. <laughs> well, there are, really there's a lot more that needs to be done but you know she is the one that diagnosed her I went to her finally and I was like hey you know at first I was like oh well it's just you know it's a little bit of anxiety like that's you know that's all it is and so we discussed that and we put me on uh, busperone and so I was taking that you know whenever I just felt anxious the anxious mm-hmm. anxiety come through um, but I mean there were days that I would come home from work and she'd be sitting on the couch and I would just lay down put my head in her lap ball you yeah. know and just completely lose it and so finally it was like okay I think I think there's something a little bit more than anxiety. And so I went back to my GP and talked to her again. Um, it'll, I'll never forget when I said, yeah, you know, there are just some times where like, I'll just start crying. And I'm like, and there's no reason, you know, I'll be on the ladder painting the crown molding. I'll just start crying. And she's like, Oh, you have crying spells. Yeah. There's an issue. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And uh, you know, the whole time I talked to my sister who has, you know, manic depression and bipolar. And I, I daily, I mean, on a daily basis, I talk to her. You hear her experience. And so I'll, yeah. you know, there was one day that I was talking to her. I was like, hey, I need to ask you a few questions. And, you know, we went through a couple of things that I was feeling and a couple of, you know, and she was like, you know, you're not going to want the answer that I'm giving you. And I was like, but I, I yeah. do. And she, you have depression. And so we got, I got put on Zoloft, I think. I, so I, yeah. yeah. So I take, I take that now daily. Um, 
which has been, I mean, which has helped a bunch. Um, yeah, but it's, it's just, you know, just going back to the whole, like, you live around it, you think you would recognize it. You know, my sister one time said to me, you know, why, why didn't you think you had depression? And I said, well, I, just, I wasn't sad. And she, she was always like, she's like, I tell you every day that's not what depression is. And it's around. like, I know you do, but, you know, in, in my mind, it was just like, well, I, I can't be depressed. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not upset. I'm just... But then the day that you broke her my heart that I don't think you realized was we got in the car one day and she was silent. And of course I'm feeling better and I'm feeling more myself and I'm talking and I'm talking. I'm like, babe, why are you not participating in this conversation? She's like, well, I I just thought you preferred silence. And it was like, oh, Mm. okay, well, I'm glad that I've, you know, and there's, there's a lot more. You kept saying you felt like a failure too. Like that was the thing is he kept saying, like, I feel like a failure as a husband. I feel like a failure as a husband. And I kept saying, you're not. And it was kind of going back to what we were saying earlier. I had said a lot of times, I think you need to go talk to somebody or I think you need, I I think you need something too, you know, but I think it took your sister saying it as well, you know, for him to actually take the steps to get, to get help, you know, it could have totally, and I don't know, I'm just shooting in the dark right now, but the fact that you grew up in like surrounded with that, Justin, it could have potentially been the fact that like you saw the way that they were reacting to stuff and you're like, well, I'm not, I'm not that bad or I'm not like that. And so it made it maybe put on some like, you know, lenses that you weren't able to see it in yourself. And that's okay. I mean, I think that was something, you know, we were talking about growing up in the church and it's like, Robert felt like it was spiritual attack. Oh, well, you just need to pray more. And so it was his thing. Like, I'm just being attacked by the devil right now. Like I just need to pray more. And so I think it's like one of those things where (laughs) you're (laughs) growing up and you're seeing other people and you're like, well, that's not me. Like I'm not, I'm not facing that. So I, that's not me. And I think it's just, it's hard because it's hard to see stuff within ourselves that we don't want to see. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think that's definitely part of it is with my sister specifically, it really wasn't like my parents did a phenomenal job raising us. I don't want to say yeah. that they, but like my mom was not very open to what my sister was going through. And even nowadays has said like, I'm, you know, I'm so sorry that we did what we did, but it was, you know, mental illness at that time, not that it's gotten better was looked at it in even you know worse light than what it is nowadays and so I think there was always a little bit of that in the back of the head like if you know if I admit to this what am I saying about myself you know what am I saying too weak to handle you know just life and but I, I think I mean you guys are exactly right it is I love the church I was born and raised Catholic um I have my own issues with that um, <laughs> I absolutely think there was, you know, growing up just a little bit too much, you know, just pray about it, mm-hmm. you know, just pray about it. And it's like, absolutely pray about it. 100% turn it over to his hands. But at the same time, there are some physical science things. needs a chance. Yeah. Too. Yeah. We say that so, all the time. Yeah. God can work miracles, but also a miracle is modern day medicine. So. Right. <laughs> yes. And we are yeah. so thankful for that. Well, and I think too, I'm just sorry not to like circle back around, but in, for me too, I think I felt a little bit of guilt just because like type one diabetes is like all encompassing. Like it's every hour, every minute of every day. And like, you're thinking about all these things. And so I felt like I had put a lot of pressure on you as well, like as my like caregiver and figuring this stuff out. And it's like a, such an intensive thing that I felt like I was part of the reason why you weren't okay. And like looking back now and realizing that, you know, some of it could have been bits of that, you know, we're both kind of depressed there for a little bit, figuring out that, um, you know, and he's a very social person. And, you know, when I was first diagnosed um, two years ago, it was, 
I would go into a grocery store and just burst into tears and not know what to eat, you know, or I would, I would get stressed out. I wouldn't want to go to restaurants because I wouldn't know what to eat and I wouldn't know how to do an injection in public and where people be staring and I've got devices on me now. Um, and that's, I mean, that's a thing too, is like body image and like stuff like that for me with you as well. Cause now I have all these devices on me. Right. So it's like, does my husband find me attractive? Is this like, he will never make me feel that way, but you know, I'm feeling all these things. And so we've just had, we've had a lot to work through, I think just together. Like, I think we've both kind of been each other's cheerleader, but I think we've also kind of kicked each other in the butt, <laughs> you know, and been like, Hey, mm-hmm. you know, it's been, I think a lot of, I'm very grateful that we've kind of been in this place of extending grace, but also really, I don't know, rallying around each other through the really hard stuff. Um, and I don't think we could have done that ourselves. Like, I don't think that we would have been able to figure this stuff out. You well, know? it's just, I mean, just the sheer amount that it affects every aspect of life. I mean, it, you know, I, I never got to the point where I didn't feel like life was worth living. Um, but I did get to the point, and I don't know if I've ever even told you this, but I, I mean, I was questioning our marriage where I was like, I'm just, I am so not happy in this. Like, is this, and it, I mean, it got to the point where I was like, is this the problem? And I think for me, I think like, oh my gosh, this is like crazy that we're talking about this, like with you guys for the first time. But for me, I think I was thinking, oh my gosh, my diagnosis was so much. He's not gonna be able to handle it. He is out the door. Like, but I don't think we've ever like, we just kind of shut down with each other. It wasn't even that we like had these conversations. It was just like, I think that was my, my version of it was, oh my gosh, I'm way too much. This is way too much. There's no way he's going to be able to handle it. So that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Analyzing it each, like both yeah. of you. Uh, and I, my whole life, I've been off of it. I don't, <laughs> I don't talk. I bottle until it yeah. explodes, and I yeah, right. When I think <laughs> go out in the yard and do something, but yeah. <laughs> you seem like you're doing great. <laughs> I mean, I, I could say that, like, I think Robert had those moments of. I mean, you had the suicidal thoughts and the racing thoughts and stuff, but it was more so that you didn't care, but there were times where you were just like, I just want to leave. Um, I don't know if it was me. I, I don't know that. I, mean, I don't know if we've ever really fully just run away from everything. Yeah. Um, but he would say to me, like, let's just leave and move to Wilmington or let's just pack up everything and move across the country. And I'm like, where are we? Where, why? <laughs> like, I have a business. How yeah, am I, I supposed to do that? I don't know that? if it was like grass is greener or something or... You get know, away from the things that were hard. Yeah. And, you know, Justin, when you were talking, I think it's like you, I don't know if this happened with you, but for me, it was like always, okay, I know I'm dealing with like lack of joy, but is this, is it because I really truly don't, you know, have joy in this moment or is it because of the d- depression? Like, what is it? And you're like trying to draw that line and figure that out. Um, and you can, and that goes into everything, into medication into like, you can, start overanalyzing all of it. Yeah. And I mean, I struggled with that and Rachel, I don't know how you handled that or, and it seems like y'all are talking about this for the first time. So maybe this is new, but I (laughs) did struggle with that when he told me I'm not feeling joy. I haven't felt joy in a really long time. You know, I'm like, well, we got married eight months ago. Were you happy on our wedding day? Like, were you feeling joy when you know, we got engaged. Like, was that not a good moment for you? I was you? just like, why did and I, I mean, And it, it's funny because <laughs> yeah. you guys were talking about the crying and I always laughed at him because I'm like, Robert, you didn't even cry on our wedding day. But then like, I don't know, we would be walking through the grocery store or something like that. And he would just be weeping. And I'm like, 
what in the world? Like I Yeah, we used to joke like it doesn't count if you cry in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> I think for us, honestly, like I feel like the saving grace and why like you said that and I'm not even like that I, I'm not even that. We hurt did have by one it. of those conversations. Well, I guess we did, but I think that like I think for me it's it doesn't like hurt in this moment because I also think like kind of going back to what I said earlier. I think we both lived so much life and I think that we've both had so many hard experiences and traumatic things. And I think that we look at each other and I think that we like truly, I mean, I know we talk about this all the time. Like I feel like we are a true partnership and like, I feel like that in mental health too, like in mm. the illness that I have. And that's like, while that's really hard sometimes, I think that we realize that I don't know, we're better together. And I know we know that, but I think sometimes we have to handle our own junk first, you know, and then kind of come yeah. back together and realize that like there's marriage is not easy. <laughs> hence this podcast, hence like all this stuff. And you have to <laughs> that. And, oh my gosh, it is not easy. But it's when you get to the happy spots, like when you get to where we are now and where it seems like you guys are too, I feel like those bright moments are like, this is worth fighting for. This is worth going through the really hard things because it's worth it. And like, I love you. <laughs> you know, well, it's just, yeah. you know, it's funny that you bring up asking, like, did you feel joy when we got engaged? Did you feel joy? Because I mean, there are days where I genuinely feel guilty because I look back and I'm like, God, I wish we could do the entire thing over. And like, I, are we really saying that about yeah, our wedding? You say that about our like, wedding. You know, if, if I had just not been stubborn and thought, hey, should I get on pills? Like, because I, you know, I didn't dance at our wedding except for our dance. dance together and my husband, you know, the, me and my mom, and, you know, I didn't cry when she came to, I remember like feeling those emotions and it was kind of like those emotions were there and they were inside, but it was like, there's, there's, there is some guilt at a lot of times where I'm like, I wish we could go back and I wish I could do our wedding again. And not only the wedding, but the planning too. Cause even at that point I was, I was dealing with a lot of the, like, <laughs> I don't want to do anything when I come home. And so yeah. I was not. Well, and I was manic, right? So I was manic because I hadn't been diagnosed yet. So we just, yeah, but I don't know. I think I look back at it and I just see it as part of our story. And I see it as part of, that was a chapter that made us, you know, who we are now. And that's just Mm -hmm. kind of, I mean, that's the take on it is that we have to go through, you know, maybe we'll do something crazy for our 10 year anniversary. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I love that. Yeah. And honestly, (laughs) yeah, the cool thing is, is, um, you know, even this morning, like our, the, so we went to Robert's dad's church that he's a pastor of, but somebody else spoke and, and it was a really great message, but he was talking about how God uses trials to bring the joy and to bring the love and to bring the sweetness. And I have to look back on, um, you know, our past. And I think you guys could probably do the same thing. It's like, maybe, maybe in the past, those were trials, but I think the joy and the faith and the love is there now. And that's what you have to be thankful for, for sure. Because I feel that every day when, I don't know, we're we're fighting over mundane things. And I'm like, praise the Lord that we're fighting over mundane things and not what we were fighting over a year ago. Um, So I'm really, I have to thank God for that, truly. I just had a thought too, um, you know, when you, I think that guilt, Maybe I'm wrong, but I think it comes, and I, I dealt with that so much too, but I think it comes from still somewhat blaming yourself, maybe. And I, I know for me, something that was so liberating is just really accepting that this is a uh, illness. Yeah. Um, even though you can't necessarily uh, like test for it or whatever you want to say, but it is, and it does affect you. And, and so it's, 
I don't know if that offers any relief to you, Justin, but like, <laughs> it, like and I've said no, it before yeah. on the podcast, but it's like, you know, no one would say anything if you were, I don't even know how to, a cast on your leg and you couldn't dance. Like no one would, oh, well, okay, we understand, you know? And it's so, and you wouldn't feel bad about it. You would understand it too. So I think it's, you know, I like to think it's a similar situation. Um, no, I, I definitely agree. And there's, I think there's more work to be done as far as what I'm dealing with. You know, all, all I've done is, you know, tell my GP and get prescribed drugs. There's, there's definitely, I mean, a whole, we could do a whole another two episodes on the history of things in my mind that I'm sure I don't even remember. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's definitely like more therapy needed and stuff. And, and I just haven't known where to look yet. Yeah. Well, I that's okay. Where do you go? I mean, like, where do you start? And I think you started with the medication route, but it's, yeah, it is. It's figuring out the right route for yeah. anything. Yeah. And I think something for us that has been a true blessing is we were able to find a Christian psychiatrist in the area. And I felt better about that than I did about the Christian therapist per se, because in my head, I'm like the drug, the, the medicine is really where it kind of starts. And especially with Robert dealing with addiction issues, I was really concerned about him wanting to be mindful of that with what he was prescribing to Robert. Um, and so he actually was who, you know, relayed to us where to go for therapy. Um, and so I, I mean, great place to start me giving out advice, but unsolicited. <laughs> um, <laughs> like oh, I said, we're here. <laughs> we are not medically trained professionals, yeah. <laughs> but it, I mean, a psychiatrist usually works along hand in hand with a therapist. And that was a blessing for us. Cause it was like, I can remember Googling Christian therapist and it's like, one person. And then, you know, I'm on this like psychiatry today and you're like trying to filter out what Robert has. Well, we didn't even know what he had until he was hospitalized. You know, they, his GP diagnosed him with severe depression. Mm -hmm. And then it was like later PTSD, bipolar type two. So we weren't even, he, his GP wasn't even treating him for that. So I, I think, you know, going to a psychiatrist was definitely something that we felt was a game changer for sure. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, uh, it doesn't seem like you're in this boat, but I think that for the first time, it felt like someone was actually like taking care of me and understood what I was like, what I was trying to say. Um, yeah. I, I felt like with my general practitioner, but this, I mean, they, like I said, freaking McDonald's of doctors, like very, <laughs> uh, all over the country kind of, yeah. And, um, they, it was like, you fill out the sheet and they just go off that. They barely even talk to you and they <laughs> write you a script. And uh, oh, it's like you don't even feel like a person at that point. Like, I just, I don't know. Like in my mind, I would feel like you're not, I don't know. Like I would feel like I'm just, a yeah. name. I wouldn't feel like a name on a sheet. I wouldn't feel like a person. Oh, there was one time that guy had his back to me. I remember it was like my checkup and he's like, so you uh, still feeling sad? <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I guess that's you what you can call like, it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh. It's like you just want to scream out, like, look at me. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, but thank y'all. I mean, thank y'all so much for sharing your story. And yeah. if Oops. you ever want to share more about your story, we are always here to listen. And um, it's really cool that you guys even chose us to do it for the first time because you, you said that you hadn't shared your story ever before, which is like such a blessing. And really cool that you guys are to a point where you feel like you can talk about it because that is a hard place to get. Thank you. Yes. I mean, I feel like we, I feel like we're in a spot and I feel like we're 
you know, kind of approaching more things as well as, I don't know, as far as wanting to start a family, that's like a whole new ball game as well, just as far as the, you know, the physical health and the mental health stuff. So we're kind of working our way through that as well. But I think that'll be, that's kind of our next, you know, step in our journey. I think we get it. (laughs) Uh, We get it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it is a lot. It is a lot, but, um, yeah, God sustains. And I think also that every step of the way, like he'll meet you. So that's really cool. But thank y'all again. Hey folks, real quick, I want to tell you about a need to have product for your home. The Auto Fire Guard, or better known as AFG Fireball. This product performs better than a fire extinguisher or overhead sprinkler system. Ashton and I wish we had known about the Fireball prior to our house fire, but we sleep better now that we have one. Get yours today at CoraDistribution.com. That's Q-U-O-R-A distribution.com and use code held together at checkout for your discount. Again, that's held together. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in our episode this week. We hope you subscribe and give us that five-star review. We would like to thank Alex Manring for our artwork and audio jungle for our music. The podcast was done by Robert and me. We'll see you next week.